Julian Hayes II is an author and nutrition consultant and the founder of The Art of Fitness and Life. He helps entrepreneurs live better and be more productive by mastering their energy. This episode, you will learn how to reverse the aging process, optimize your fitness, and upgrade your entire human system without the guesswork. So I'm an only child. I'm first generation. So going to college was already icing on the cake because none of my family on my dad's side finished uh, college or anything like that. So I'm already the prince. You know, so I got the crown on my head. And then... I get accepted into medical school. I can walk on water now. Nothing <laughs> I can do. Not I can do nothing wrong, right? And but while I'm up there in medical school, so I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, and I went to New York for school. It's two totally different places. Now we, we were just talking beforehand. But you're in London, and London's kind of like a cleaner New York. You know the subway and everything, but it's still just bursting with energy. Yeah, and I feed off that energy. I was mm. like, what is this? I always felt like the outcast back in Nashville, but in New York, I'm like, I'm not crazy. There's so many crazy people, including this guy that's just dancing in the middle of the street with a boombox on his shoulder. <laughs> yeah. And so I did not go to class that much because we had it online. Mm. So, and I sped, I learned to listen to things at two and three X so I can get more time back to go have more fun. Mm. And what that gave me is the ability to explore and just meet random people and have conversations over drinks. And I remember one day I was in the Lower East Side. I was talking to this girl. Now, I'll be honest. I was talking to her first because she was cute, right? Of course. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I was getting ready to shoot my shot, as they call it now. Um, but when we got into conversation, I was so, like, enamored by her passion for she's doing something, A, that she loves on her terms and it's something valuable to her, uh, her existing skill set, mm. And so I went through school that whole time because school was pretty easy for me. You show up, you take a test, rinse and repeat, read some books. That's very easy for me. Right. I like the idea of being a doctor. I didn't necessarily love it. Right. I thought it'd be cool to be, a, I want to be an eye surgeon, but I didn't love it. I love health. Right. And I can do I can do health in many different things. I didn't have to be a doctor for that. So I had these things come up and I'm in this anatomy exam. I have to talk with her like a week or two later. Long anatomy exam. Right. It's like three hours. And you look at certain kids. They're they're looking up. They're sweating bullets. They're stressing <laughs> over there. They're like, oh, my God, what is this? I'm looking up. I'm like, holy hell. I'm not in the right place. I'm not in the right place. I'm yeah. just in the middle of this test. I'm like, nah, this ain't it. This ain't it. And I'm like, can I cuss on here? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So I literally in my head, I'm like, holy shit. I, oh my goodness. What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And then, and so that summer I go back home and I just kind of couldn't go to sleep. And I just went upstairs and I was just like, okay, we're not going back. We're just not going to do it. I don't know exactly what we're going to do, but we ain't going back to this. Right. And I remember telling everyone, I was excited. I was like, I figured it out. I told everyone, hey, I'm not going back to school. I'm going to be a writer and because I always wanted to write. And I'm going to still do something in, in health, maybe personal training, maybe nutrition coaching, something like that. And I was expecting to, to get these pats on the backs and celebratory things like I got over a year ago when I went to medical school. And the things that I got is, are you crazy? Do you need a drug test? <laughs> what are you, How are you to gonna in do New York? <laughs> what have you been up to in New York? Who turns you out in New York? Yeah. So I had all these different 
doubt placed mm-hmm. upon me. It's like if you watch pro wrestling to WWE, it's like I just completely did a heel turn. Yeah, I went from being a crowd favorite to completely being showered with booze and and all this stuff now. So, mm-hmm. um, and that was very interesting to me. And I knew it that it wasn't out of like spider hate. It was more out of fear and their own limitations of what's possible because entrepreneur sounds like a mythical unicorn mm. to like my family and friends because there's no one around here that we see all we saw was it's pretty blue collar yeah so you you go work and then you retire at 65 mm-hmm. and then hopefully you have some good years left if your yeah. body's not beaten down to enjoy mm-hmm. so yeah and so when you came out and was like listen guys i am not doing medicine anymore I'm going to do this entrepreneur thing. I have all these dreams and visions that I, that this is what I'm meant to do. What was the first step that you made? Because now you decided that you haven't got the, because you, before you were trying to escape the routine of school. Now you're fully out of the routine of school. You've got, you know, 24 hours or, you know, let's say you sleep for eight hours a day. You've got 16 hours in a day to fill now with your own mission, your own purpose. What did you start doing first? Well, I didn't necessarily start my own business right away. I actually got a job. I went to work. I went to work at my gym. I was a personal trainer getting paid nickels and pennies, very little money. Yeah. And uh, I also had another part-time job at a call center. Oh, the best you know? jobs. Th- those jobs yeah. build character. <laughs> yeah. So, and the funny thing, I guess it's, I guess it's funny now that I can look on it, but like you had these people comments, like it's like a year ago, you're on the track to be a medical student you're in medical school on a track to be a doctor and now you're working for minimum wage at a call center asking doing political surveys and getting cussed out mm. and you have a master's degree and these other undergrad degrees and all this stuff yeah. and for a little bit i mean that could kind of like you know they kind of gaslight me a little bit it's like okay maybe i am making a mistake here but yeah. i i knew something was there but i also didn't know anything about a business. Mm. So I needed to get some traction. I needed to get some income. So that's why I did just did those jobs. And then after a while, I had enough clientele base. So that's when I did kind of branch out on my own. But I still had a I still had like a side job with my personal training that I was doing. So before I did this stuff online, I was focused on personal training. Right. And then just a bunch of random things just happened that led me to what I'm doing currently now. Yeah. And personal training is something that is very difficult because it's it's a race to the bottom with pricing. If you're charging, you know, $50 an hour, there's always someone else about, oh, I'll do 45. And then you might go, okay, I'll do 40. Then, you know, suddenly your, your people are charging, you know, minimum wage per hour for a job, which is a professional job. Yeah. I, um, you know, this might make me sound crazy. I've always, I, I I've noticed that and I've always like, I'm going to charge double that. Just because I, completely I, I yeah, it set myself completely apart and it's going to add the pressure as me as a professional to really do a great job hmm. because there's just something about when you're charging something that you don't feel that good with and you're like, I'm not really making a lot of living from this hmm. because taxes, rent, equipment, continual education, the money you left over with is like, ah, oh, is this it? I'm going to have to like work myself literally into the ground. Mm. So I, I didn't, I didn't pay attention to that. And crazy enough, I got the inspiration for this of all places from like escorts and call girls. 
Of course. I know it sounds. Co- I know it sounds completely. <laughs> no, it sounds no, completely. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So look, I have not used none of these services. Just to put that out there for listeners, it's just that curiosity is my driving force. Yeah, and I'm curious why certain people do certain things, mm-hmm. and so and I like to know things, and yeah. I like to know the psychology behind things, and a lot of my inspiration is taken from areas outside of fitness. Mm. And so one of these girls was saying that you're worth what you say you're worth. Yeah. And I'm like, what's the difference between like a, you know, you, you see politicians stuff getting in trouble with like, what's the difference between a, just a regular call girl and a high class call girl. Right. Yeah. And uh, it's called the same thoughts. All, <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. <laughs> and it's all psychology. Yeah. <laughs> it's all psychology. And, and so that's where I learned. Okay. So when I'm branding myself and positioning myself and, and setting these prices, the first person I have to convince and sell is myself, mm-hmm. not who I'm talking to, but it's myself. Yeah. And then I have to carry myself in a certain way, carry myself as the person who charges this type of money. So I'm like, okay, who is the Julian that's going to charge double what the rate is in Nashville? How does that person act? So if you're into spiritual information, if you're into the spiritual side of things, you're moving as if mm-hmm. you're not saying one day I'm going to do this thing. You're confirming in this very moment that I am blank, blank, blank. Mm. And then you're moving as that person right now. Yeah. I, I think that's a, that's a really strong way to live your life is in, if you decide, look, I want to be a millionaire in the future. If you want to be that and you see yourself being that, then technically in this moment, you are already that. Yes. Your, your, your bank account might not reflect that, but what does millionaire or, you know, some people are even, you know, a bit more big headed and go billionaire, but what is that version of you doing? What does that version of you do? Because there's a reason why they're able to do that. And you just got to connect to the steps, I guess, backwards to get to that point. And so I'm guessing when you were pricing yourself at the level you were pricing yourself, you kind of realized that you were limited to your only what you could physically do. So you decided mm-hmm. to kind of jump online with that same skill set and reach a, a wider audience. Well, it's that was kind of it. But I also realized that I had to look at my competition. And I had to assess myself. Mm. If you look at most fitness brands, yeah, it's typically they're doing workouts, they're shirtless. There's nothing wrong with that. I like to run shirtless and everything, you oh, know. But one of those people, <laughs> yeah, I'm one of those people, right? But I don't just like to just always just show myself working out. I actually find lifting weights quite boring. Yeah, I know it's kind of crazy to say, but I like the feelings that it gives me. And when you hear that word feeling, feeling is the secret. It's from Neville, Neville Goddard, hmm. and when we were talking about the millionaire, I am a millionaire. Cause if you say I'm going to be a millionaire, the only feeling that you're ever going to experience is that feeling of I'm going to be, but you're never going to actually become that millionaire. So that's why you have to affirm that I am that millionaire. Mm-hmm. And then what's that feeling? Cause a lot of times it's not really about the money. It's not really about the health. It's about the feeling that comes with those things and what those things do for us. So when you really know those things, you can start feeling those every day. So for me, a millionaire, a billionaire, for me, that is the number one thing is freedom. Mm. And so how can I get the feeling of freedom right now? And so I do things, I set up my day to experience things to me is what freedom is. And so now circling back to, you know, the transition to online, I got really curious about health and I saw the way the world's going. Yeah. I, I, I stayed on top of the medical literature always. I, I read every day and everything. So and I had illness in my my father, mm. and that's part of the driving force of why I got into health. And I noticed that my side of the family had different, or 
the same issues come up lineage after lineage after lineage. I noticed other families had issues that come up, but they didn't have the same things that we had. Mm. And I don't believe in coincidences like that. Now there's something with that that needed to be explored more. And that's where I got into genetics and epigenetics. And I just email, I'll email people if I got questions yeah. to try to get mentorship or just whatever, you know, I, I, I don't care. And, um, you know, I got a mentor in that I got certified in that because yeah. I knew that when I was just doing for personal training, mm-hmm. it was just about the physical. Yeah. And I was evolving as a person mm-hmm. to realize there's a much bigger picture. Yeah. And I also knew that there was an opportunity to really be ahead of things, almost like a Tesla. Yeah. That's one of my big inspirations is Tesla is so far ahead. Now, now other people are making electric vehicles, but Tesla had a runaway for literally like five to six years yeah, to grab market share. Mm. And so that's kind of the way I thought about this of like this precision uh, performance, longevity, precision, fitness, precision, wellness, whichever words you want to use of why are we given blanketed advice to everyone mm. when we can be much more precise? Yes, we're 99% the same, 99.9, but that 0.1% is so different. And I, I just thought there was an opportunity there to really dive into this. And that's where I slowly migrated for it online because I didn't need to be physically in person. I could, I could partner with a trainer if someone needed a trainer because I, I have a pretty good network and they can do the training aspect and I can focus on what I, what I really excel at. Yeah. And, and that is the business that you've got is called the art of fitness and life. And yeah. so you're digging into that, you know, 0.1% or 1% of the person that really does have a, a big influence on who they are and, and what they do. So one thing you do is pre- precision performance and lifestyle lifestyle assessment. So what does that look mm-hmm. like? How do you kind of precisely analyze somebody in depth? Yeah. Yeah. So when somebody comes to me, right, and we're starting off, you're literally imagine that we're going into a painting class, which hopefully soon I'm going to actually enroll in a painting class. I always want to learn it, but <laughs> that's another side tangent, but it's a, your blank canvas. There's nothing there. Typically when we, the old model of what I call health point, health 1.0 is that we give you a standard, eat this way, eat this food, exercise this way mm-hmm. and go about your way. Health 2.0, even 3.0 is let's slow down at the beginning and let's do a thorough audit and assessment of every single facet of your life. And so practically what this looks like is let's take a genetic testing. So genetic testing, let's see your blueprint mm-hmm. and there's cognitive testing. Let's see how your brain's working. There's lab work. You know, we're familiar with blood work, but a lot of the blood work that we get just at our primary care doctors, it's not thorough enough because typically, at least the model in America is they're very reactive, not proactive. Right. So there's a lot of lab tests I cannot get right now if I just went to my primary care doctor because I'm not quote unquote sick yet. Yeah. I need to get, I need to get sick before I get these extra tests. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't like that. So um, so we do thorough lab testing as well. Then you are, um, there's things like omega threes, there's omega three testing. So, and then, um, there's age testing, right? So I'm chronologically 35 years old right now, yeah. but biologically I'm a shade over 31 years old. Right. And so I'm aging right now for every 12 months is pretty much nine months right. and it's going down even lower. Yeah. And so we have all these, all this data. We're accumulating all this data at the very beginning. 
and you're forming a story of how this person is living and how this person has lived. Right. And then now we are making accurate assessments. Okay. Because for nutrition wise, for example, I have a coffee here. Yeah. Certain people process coffee and alcohol much slower because of the liver yeah. and, and the genes they have there. And I'm one of those people. So my, so I should cut caffeine down um, much earlier than some other people. I can handle carbohydrates a lot better than other people. Mm. I can handle more of a moderate to high protein diet compared to others. Or, you know, and so it's just this precision to be more efficient, more effective, and to give a peace of mind that, okay, this is the blueprint. And, you know, you take the guessing out of hand. So it's a, and then you have things like more of the, um, the psychological comp component of there's a quality of life assessment that I do. Yeah. And you're, you're looking at your, your work life, your joy from that, your joy from your relationships, and just your overall joy from yourself and your joy from your health. And the reason why is because this is a human system. Everything is connected. None mm -hmm. of these things exist in silos. If you have a very lackluster relationship, relational life, yeah. you're most likely going to overcompensate in some other area. And that can be detrimental to your health. Right. You know, and that can lead to poor nutritional decisions. So all of these things are connected. And so that's why like, it's, it's a very thorough and fairly intense audit at the very beginning. Yeah. And, and when you kind of did this, because I'm assuming you did this to yourself, most people I know that do these types of things, they're like, yeah, I, I did it to myself first to, to see what, what the outcome was and how it was. What did that's you why I started. Yeah. What did you find that you had to change or that you had to add into your life? I know you mentioned the caffeine thing, but were you like, oh, damn, I'm, I'm low in zinc or I'm low in iron or something like that? Yeah. Um, probably the two biggest benefits is I started to eat more fish right as opposed to that that became my predominant animal source of protein was fish and the reason why is because things like mackerel sardines and salmon and trout they have omega-3s and i could really improve my ratio of omega-3s to the omega-6 hmm. and that's going to really help my inflammation because i i'm a pretty much a cross-trained athlete so i i run i lift and i box as well and i'm going to start swimming soon so right. um it's a lot of potential amount for inflammation. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so my genes were pretty good initially with that. And then um, I would probably say the next thing was trying to think of the big high yielding ones. I think the inflammation one and the omega three was big. I started to, I switched out coconut oil with more mono and saturated oils. Right. So like my oil, my predominant oil now is olive oil. Right. And I, I don't eat as much saturated fat just because of my genes. And some people have genes where they can't tolerate it at all. But that's what I noticed that I feel better. And I noticed my lab reports as well. And then something I'm still working on is stress. Right. And keeping that under control. Now, I don't want to get rid of it. Stress is beneficial. Yeah. But it's all about how you mitigate it and control it. Mm -hmm. So for me, those are probably the, the bigger things there. Because, you know, a few things most of the things were already pretty dialed in for me. So it's very small, probably like 3% things Yeah, that, that, that I needed tweaking on to, to like help me with like recovering. And so like, um, I'm more of a power sprint based athlete. Right. And so I do endurance training now. So I had to put a little extra work into that and do a few different nutritional changes with that as well to kind of compensate for that. So with such a kind of, 
I wouldn't say strict, but su such a kind of detailed kind of idea of what you should be eating. Are you like counting, you know, calories to it to a like a really fine point, or are you kind of just like cool? I need need to eat more potatoes. Yeah. I need to eat more fish, or is it like yeah. I need to eat this many grams of this and that many yeah. grams of that? No, I'm pretty I'm pretty much done with those days of of just being super like rigid and detailed because I'm not well I. I I was a, involved a little bit in like a little modeling and everything where you had to, you know, have look a six pack. pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I still have that. I, I still have that. So I do have an obligation. I feel if I'm going to be promoting health and if I'm talking about living to 215 years old and making 100, the new normal for society as at large, mm. I do have an obligation, but I like to enjoy life. Right. And so I, and I know my body so well, mm -hmm that I can mentally add up how many calories. Cause I know how many calories and grams of protein are in most of the foods I eat. Yeah. Cause I eat fairly the same amount of things. So I'm pretty auto-regulated, but from time to time, like today I am keeping up with what I eat mm -hmm. because I'm starting a new training cycle. Yeah. And I want to, I want to see the food add up cause I'm trying to gain a little weight just yeah. to help. And, but for the most part, I don't even, I think it's good to keep up with what you eat for a little bit for anyone just so you can be aware of like oh this little like for instance if you go to starbucks and you get all the extra creams and uh, the sugars and everything you would be surprised how many calories that drink is right and just having that awareness over time you realize oh okay this is how you can overeat and this is how you can have such a nutrient devoid diet so like i eat you know so you can have 2000 calories and there's not a lot of fiber. There's not a lot of um, micronutrients in it. Yeah. And so it's very easy to see why you can feel lethargic, why you don't have energy or, or why losing weight is so difficult because you're not giving your body the raw materials that it needs. Even if you, you are eating throughout the day, quote unquote eating, you're not giving the body its complete necessary assortment of raw materials. Yeah. And I, I don't want to skip over this because I'm sure the listeners heard that part and I heard it too. You want to live to 200 plus years old. How is that one working? I, I got to know the secret. Maybe me and you can, can <laughs> go on deeper into this one. A friend made a, a, a good point, right? That um, I don't really know him, but I consider him a friend. I listen to him a lot, so he's a friend. And the longest living person, to my memory, has lived to 120 years old. Right. So he made a goal to live to 180. That's a 50% increase. Mm -hmm. And you would think, with all the technology that's coming, and all the advances that we have right now, mm. that a 50% increase, that's pretty easy. That's pretty doable. And when we say that age, we're not talking about just being around. We're still talking about being a functioning, <laughs> contributing member to society. Yeah. Okay. So that's why I say run around with your great, great grandchildren, not just see them. Yeah. Okay. So you're still going to be a productive member of society. And I said 215 because A, it came to me. It just sounds good. Yeah. And to live three centuries sounds very cool. Mm. Uh, and I like to have moonshots. So I get very bored with life. Right. And last time I checked, no one has ever got in trouble for setting a goal. True. You know, no one has ever regretted setting a goal. The only thing we can regret is not setting a goal, not pursuing a dream, not pursuing, I don't know some cute girl or guy that you see down the street. That's the only thing that we can pursue. You never get in trouble for having a goal. Mm. And if I don't hit my goal, I, I probably don't even realize it because I'll be dead and gone anyway. So, I mean, I have nothing to lose. Yeah. But 
and I just believe that what's on the horizon, some of the things that I, I've, you know, even the things that I can do right now and use myself and use with other people, just think how, you know, technology is advancing so fast that seven, like the average lifespan of 77, it makes no sense. I mean, my grandfather lived to 77. My father passed early at 60. And I got an uncle that's 100 right now. And I mean, he doesn't know anything about biohacking or epigenetics or none of that. And he's been through droughts, depressions, and a lot of other things. And I don't know if he could be 100 and go through that stuff. Why couldn't I at least get to 100 with all the extra information I have? That's going to give me even more years. So it's very practical for me of why it's it seems very easy. So, so how can I implement epi- epigenetics? Oh, because a bit of a tongue twister. How can I uh, integrate epigenetics into my life to, to maybe live, you know, longer than the average life expectancy at the moment? Yeah. And so I'll give some more wider castnet advice because um, when we think about epigenetics, so if you hear that word, what that means is epi means above and then the genetics is the gene. So epi means above the gene. Mm-hmm. And and you know, we our genetics are set in stone, so we're not going to change our DNA, right? But how that DNA expresses itself can be changed by our lifestyle decisions. And that's where epigenetics comes in. So, you know, one's the hardware and the one's the software, but depending on the software, that's going to determine how the hardware performs and the hardware is our body. And so super easy things. You know, if we talk about living a long time, first and foremost, it sounds very basic, but if you study centenarians, they... They have a reason to live. So have a mission, have a purpose. I know sometimes this seems daunting to say, I don't know my purpose. You know, maybe it's like, I'm just going to explore. And there's something like that, but search for something to live for. Mm. Search for something to get out of bed for and not just exist throughout the day. I truly believe there's this life force. I've seen too many times where somebody reaches retirement. They're like, oh, I'm retired. I'm, I'm done working. And unfortunately, the thing that comes after is either they pass away somehow or they all of a sudden get sick. And it's because I believe that if you don't give your body a reason to do something or a reason to work and put it to work doing something, it's mm. going to a trophy. Yeah. So the worst thing to hear anyone say is to say retirement. I don't want you to retire. Maybe the word transition transition is a better thing. Maybe it's like you're playing basketball and maybe this career when you get to to 65 maybe that's your halftime it's mm. just your halftime yeah and now we're coming out to the second half and we're coming out it's a new game plan it's a new strategy and so i think that's a more apt way to look at it so that's the first thing is to have something to live for and mindset is so critical the first step i had to do if, when i said i'm living at 215 and societies the new norm is going to be 100 i had to have the mindset mm-hmm. i had to convince myself because right. this goes back to what i talked about when selling the first person you sell is yourself. Mm. So after that, meditation, having some sort of mindfulness practice as well. And I forgot the number of the actual genes, but there's a study a couple of years ago that just adopting a meditation mindfulness practice, you're going to positively, positively upregulate thousands of genes and you're going to positively downregulate some potential harmful genes. Right. Exercise is something that is absolutely critical. Just movement in general, you're going to positively upregulate 6,000 genes just from exercising. Mm-hmm. And 
to be a little now nutrition wise, it's so many different things, right? Because, you know, we're from different regions of the world. A lot of times we have nutritional issues because where we're currently living is not where our ancestors are from. Exactly. And so the climate, the climate, the geography is different. Mm-hmm. So we're not used to that. Right. It, it's, it's why you, sometimes you see. Um, uh, and so what I would say with that is. This is where I think where it, it does help to get some kind of lab work and blood work to wherever you are to get some baseline to know where you stand. I think that's a very good longevity protocol measure as well to get some initial blood work. Even if you feel super healthy right now, great to say, Hey, at this age, these were my numbers. And then go from there. Because one of the things that I hate happens is that somebody tells you, you go to the doctor and everything. And I like doctors. I have a lot of friends that are doctors, but you know, um, they'll tell you, this is good. This is on average for people your age. Well, what does that mean? Why, why, why do I just want to be average? Mm. That makes no sense. Why do I want to be average? You know, what about optimal? I want to be optimal. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's the what about stats? Enhance? <laughs> yeah. What, what about enhance? I don't want to just be in the middle. I want to yeah. be optimal and enhance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want to get the most out of this body that I can. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, because if you look at, you know, for instance, testosterone, it's going down each year for men in the States. But if you go to the doctor and they'll say, this is average for a million year age. Well, we have this stat here. You have a group, you have 19 year olds that are grouped in with 90 year olds on the testosterone uh, metric here. So of course it's going to be skewed. You know, so that's why know your numbers and then refine those. That's optimal for you. And a, a nutrition thing is a lot of that is you're going to feel it. So for dairy, some people cannot process dairy that well. I'm one of those people. I have it from time to time and I pay for it, but it's okay. Um, some people can really process it. And epigenetically, that can affect you because if it's something that you can't tolerate and you're continually eating it, you're adding unnecessary inflammation to your body. Mm-hmm. And inflammation is the culprit pretty much of every chronic illness in some form or fashion inflammation is directly tied to it so whether it's your brain whether it's just your body your joints your muscles inflammation is there now inflammation is good we need it in doses so that's the thing also about the human body is that more and more and more and more is not necessarily a good thing Mm. everything is like everything needs balance right and so keep that in mind so especially when you're like supplementing using supplements. We hear a supplement in the news and we just go liberally take it. Well, we got to think about what's the cofactors for this supplement here. If I do this thing here, what's the chain reaction of what's it going to affect these other three things potentially that is connected to. So I, I would look at those three things as a basic, as a basic parameter. And then sleep, sleep is another critical thing. It's, and that's going to, vary as well because everyone doesn't need eight hours right very few i mean most of us need more than five hours there's a very small percentage of people who need five hours and there's a very specific gene that very few people have Mm. that can actually thrive and function off short sleep so you know just throwing out numbers i generally say about seven to eight hours maybe six and a half to eight hours depending on how stressful your life is how much you work out and things like alcohol consumption smoking and even like marijuana, I, I think is to be very um, 
we'll take the smoking. I don't think smoking is really beneficial at all. There's no benefit really to smoking, but the alcohol and marijuana, I know um, it's becoming more prevalent, especially the marijuana. Everything I've seen has showed that it's not something that you want to just use chronically because, you know, with marijuana specifically, it, it's shrinking your brain and you, you want your brain to be big. Right. Yeah. But as we go over, the brain shrinks a little bit and specifically there's a region in there called the hippocampus, which is, um, you know, where a lot of our memory takes place at. Mm -hmm. And that's one area that loses a lot of blood flow from chronic uh, marijuana usage. So, you know, those are things that you want to enjoy life, right? Mm -hmm. There's no point in living to 215 if you got to be a monk and never enjoy your life. So it's all about balance and doing it every now and then. Like I like to drink, but not like a lush or anything, but if I'm going out, I'm not going to say, Hey, give me a guy Coke. I'm going to say, Hey, you know, let's have some fun and everything. So, um, hope that helped a little bit in terms of just a few things to keep in mind. Yeah. I mean, hopefully everybody listening understands now that, you know, epigenetics are something that you need to kind of delve deeper in and, you know, like you said, get a blood test or whatever kind of test you need to get to find out what might be beneficial for you or what you can do with your own personal body. And there's, there's another part of things I wanted to dive into, because I'm glad you brought up the blood testing and all that kind of stuff, but maybe the, you know, the person listening is afraid of needles and all that kind of stuff, but there are kind of, you know, surface level things you can do. So out of body monitoring stuff. So I'm assuming you're the type of person that likes to track and, and maintain your stats, you know, digitally. So maybe through an Apple watch or a Fitbit or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I forgot. I did mention that. Yes. I love technology to leverage. And of course, if I love data, I'm going to love technology. So yeah, I do have a wearable on and I like a wearable because it is essentially, it's a check engine light, but it's also a daily, it gives you a miniature daily check-in every single day. Mm. Think about this. We go to the doctor maybe one or two times a year for our annual checkup, mm -hmm. but what if we had 365 mini checkups plus those annual checkups? Right. Think about how ahead of the curve that we can get mm -hmm. the slightest thing that's off on our human system, on our body, we can go ahead and, and take care of it. You know, it's like the thing of you have a little crack in a dam and you don't pay attention to it. And then over time, it just bursts and floods. Whereas with the technology and the wearables, we can see that little crack and go ahead and start to address it. And it will never be an issue because a lot of times, a lot of chronic illnesses, they manifest early, but just in so small increments that we just don't notice. Kind of like someone gains a few pounds every year, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden they just realize they're 20 pounds overweight. So you can tell for certain things that they could be seven years of seven years down the line, but you can get a seven-year track start and say, okay, if I keep doing this, most likely in five to seven years, this is going to be my result. Mm. And Practically speaking, when you can look at some things which are wearable, you can look at your sleep and your sleep quality. Most of the times we talk about sleep quantity, but what about the quality of it? You know, so the REM sleep, the deep sleep, mm -hmm. those are two critical components of the sleep arch architecture. Yeah. And your heart rate, your HRV. You know, I came down with an illness maybe six months ago or so, and I maybe three or four days ahead, my heart rate spiked out of this normal thing. My HRV went down as well. And HRV in simple terms is just basically an assessment of your nervous system, mm -hmm. your sympathetic flight or flight, your parasympathetic relax. And it's basically how balance and in, in what 
the conditions that that's in. Yeah. So my stats went haywire. So I knew something was coming up. Mm-hmm. And since I knew something was coming up, I didn't know exactly what, but I could go ahead and start to maybe take a few preventative extra measures and start boosting my immune system, taking a few extra vitamins, mm-hmm. doing a few extra, you know, getting some extra sleep, not working out as hard because I know my immune system's a little um, suppressed right now. Right. And the wearable gave me time to do that. You know, I think about how many people, if they had a warning, it's like, a, you know, we got tornadoes here in Nashville. Yeah. And so you hear, you hear the little siren, you know, it sounds very scary. And, um, but it gives us a warning to prepare for something that's coming. Right. And that's, that's what these wearables can do. That's what technology can do. It can give us a siren, this warning. And we have, we have a buffer to take care of something before it becomes a major issue that then creates ripples and affects everyone around us, both economically and socially. Yeah. So what wearable do you use? Are you an Apple Watch man, Fitbit yeah. guy? No, I have a I have a whoop device right now. Okay. And and I, I might get a Garmin later, oh. but Garmin is I, I think probably for most people, a whoop device, a Fitbit, an Apple Watch, that's probably more than enough. Yeah. The Garmin is the Garmin's extra. It it, it has its own GPS so- in it and all kind of stuff as well. Yeah, it has GPSs, you know, keep track of like the sun, the moon and all sorts of things. So I don't, I'm a little OCD. So it, I just like things like that. So I'll probably get it. But for most people, just for the basic things, just get the the, the Fitbit or the Apple Watch or the Whoop or a, or a BioStrap. Yeah. And I, those I, things. Will probably... And you'll say and that there's an aura, there's an aura ring as well. If you just want to keep track of your sleep. Right. I was going to say the things that you're saying that are best to keep track of are your heart rate. And your your kind of sleep cycle, so your REM sleep, deep sleep, light sleep. That those yeah, are the important I, ones. Yeah, those those all those should all those should take care of it. Um, I, I don't keep up with steps because right. uh, that's uh, if. But if you're coming from someone who doesn't exercise much, then maybe steps is a good thing to to keep track of and make sure that your device does that. Yeah. For me, I for me, I look at overall strain mm. and like how taxing am I putting my body through today. Yeah. Not you know, so it just depends on the level of fitness and the level of interest that you have at the current moment as well, because different wearables are a lo- lot more sophisticated and offer a lot more insights. And so sometimes it can be overwhelming. So that's why it's imperative to match up with your current level with your wearable. Right. It, it seems like you're kind of ahead of the curve of most people. Like you're really into technology. You've got this idea of living to 200 plus, which I hope you make. Hopefully I'll be there with you because I'll be using these tips and tricks. But one thing I wanted to ask you about was, okay, so let's say you've got your wearable, you've had your blood test, you've done all this and you've done all that. But what is something that this person can do going forward, starting today that will have an impact on them 20, 30 years from now? Like what is one thing, obviously, if we say, look, cut down drinking, stop smoking. But what is yeah. that one secret that you'd be like, look, take this, you know, this type of supplement or eat this superfood. That's what I'm doing type thing. Yeah. I don't even think it's, you know, I don't even think it's a food or anything. I think it's, we're going to go back to mindset. Like, have you ever thought about, a lot of people haven't, like what does optimal health actually look like to you? What does it mean to you? What does it feel like? You know, like we hear, set a vision Mm. and how many people actually set a vision a detailed vision actually and even more how many people set a honest vision of what they want not what they think they should want Mm -hmm. because a lot of times when we think about fitness a lot of times and even actually in business as well we're like 
oh, I want a six pack. I want, I want to be shredded. Mm-hmm. I want to like a, I want to like a model. Do you really? Or, or is that something that you think you're supposed to? Because I can tell you a lot of clients that I've worked with and trained, they came in with that goal, but what they realized is they didn't want that goal. That's something that they were conditioned and programmed to want. Yeah. Of course you want it to be healthy, but healthy comes in. You don't have to be super shredded to be healthy. In fact, it's depending on how shredded you are, you're probably not at your optimal health because, you know, so I can tell you that now. So that's why to today, what you can do is to really think about what you want in life and to continually check back in with what you want in life. And when you say optimal health, I'm not just talking about physical, of course, that's important. And I want you to think about how you're moving, but I also want you to think about your environment. I also want you to think about your relationships. So you got a partner, are you married? You got kids. What kind of activities are you doing? How do you feel with them? How are you communicating with them? Mm-hmm. You know, how are they communicating back with you? How are they looking at you? And why I say that's because being a great leader, a great father, part of that is because you're healthy and you have the energy and capacity to show up at your best. So those two things are connected. Then it's, Spiritually, how attuned are you as well? Because optimal health is an inside-out job. Yeah. Then we're thinking about, you can think about finances in your career as well. Because if you are absolutely in a job that you hate, that you get no fulfillment out of, and you cannot find any joy from it, that's adding stress and that's taking away from your health meter. That's going to show up and become an issue down the line. So do a thorough audit of these critical areas of life. And that's the optimal health picture and get that vision so ingrained in your head that it just becomes a way of life and you move as if. So like, that's why the 215 sounds crazy to people. But to me, it's quite practical because I've lived it so many times in my head already. Mm. And I say, I say at least 215, because if I'm, if I'm still kicking it at 215, then I'm going to keep this show going <laughs> as long as possible. You know? Yeah, I'm going, to, I'm going to keep this show going because, you know, this is like I told you, this is just living the dream. Yeah. You know, all this to me is just a dream. Mm. The, the the difference is I'm just awake and realize that I'm in a dream and I can create this reality. Right. A lot of people are still sleeping mm. and, and they haven't woken up inside the dream to realize that, you know, I'm the architect and I can kind of just design this reality to my liking. Yeah. So that's why to really hit home. Don't skip this step of really getting in touch with your standard of what optimal health is because there's a feeling that's going to come with that and then there's a way that you're going to carry yourself and go about yourself that's going to be totally different and it's going to give you the motivation and the inspiration because there's a lot of days i do not want to go to the gym Mm. there's a lot of days i do not want to go for a run there's a lot of days i want to eat junk food i am not immune to those things Mm. i just have a lot of reasons and i think about I'm not eating just for myself because what I eat and how I take care of myself, providing, you know, if I had a family, kids, I'm eating for them because there's epigenetics and that affects them and that affects the next lineage as well. So you're eating for generations. And so I, I think that's cool to say I have the power and, and the, the, the control to influence history and generations. So your DNA is, clues to your past but the epigenetics you can mold the future by what you do today and it's not just you that you're taking care of yourself for you are actually can create ripples 
way down the line, long after probably we're gone, just by the decisions that you're making on a daily basis. Yeah. And Julian, you seem so passionate and knowledgeable about all these various different health topics. I'm wondering, what is it about what you do that brings you the most joy? Hmm. There's a couple of things. I think personally for me, actually, probably for everyone, I think we all get started, you know, taking care of our health for a reason of that we want to run away from pain. We want to run away from not feeling good enough to wear certain outfits and, and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But what happens over time is it's like a, it's like a transcendence, right? You start, you stop running away from something and you start running towards something. You Mm -hmm. start running toward infinite potential, limitless potential. And what I mean by that is I think fitness is really taking care of, and controlling your health and fitness. Right. It's like the gateway to so many different possibilities because it gives you the confidence to go after so many different things because there's a lot of things that we cannot control. I cannot control to a certain extent how many clients I get. I cannot control how many people listen to my podcast. I cannot control if people like what I'm saying right now. There's very few things in life that I can fully control, but I can control what I put into my body, how I treat my body, how I move my body and what I put into my mind. And when times get crazy, that's a very comforting thing to know that I still have this thing to control. And that gives me the energy to go after all these other different things. Where can the people find you online? Yeah, so the home base is theartoffitnessinlife.com. And you can check out, since you're listening to this great podcast, you can also go ahead and subscribe to mine, Optimal Health for Busy Entrepreneurs. And it will be a host of many different topics, but they all come back to health. Thank you for listening to People Explained. New episodes come out every Monday. We would appreciate it if you gave us a review on Apple Podcasts and shared this episode with a friend.